You're listening to Family Rules, the podcast on BYU Radio, inspiring ideas, inspiring families. Hey there, everybody. It's Brooke Walker with Family Rules, the podcast, and you are in for a treat today. The topic on the table, one I think affects almost every family out there, is raising responsible kids. I had the chance to chat with Dr. Tom Golightly, who's an associate clinical director for BYU Counseling and Psychological Services. I have to say he does traditional therapy. He's a family guy, a parenting expert. I also appreciate the sports side of his mind. And when I say sports side, I don't just mean fan. He's a sports psychologist. So he knows better than most how to get into the heads of these these young athletes, but these young kids and help them perform their very best, which I think ultimately is what we strive for as parents, right? To draw out the best of our kids. He had some great tools, tangible, actionable ideas that will take this ambiguous idea of responsibility and pin it down to the home front in a way that I hope helps you. I've been thinking a lot since this conversation about how I can promote responsibility and accountability in my own home. So I hope you share similar takeaways. This is Dr. Tom Golightly on Raising Responsible Kids. joining me. You know I value your advice, your wisdom. You're always so brilliant about bringing these topics that can feel so ambiguous to life in a, in, in a real way. And that's our goal today is to give parents tangible tools, actionable things they can do right now on the ground to help, in this case, promote responsibility. So I just maybe put the crown on my own head and said, yeah, I was the responsible one in my family. Did you share that crown in your own family? Were you the responsible kid growing up? Well, I'd like to think so. My parents probably have something different to say about that. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think I, I strayed too far from the path, right? Uh, but uh, knowing you, it does not surprise me that you wore that crown in your family. Well, I don't, again, I don't here. know if it was by necessity or by development. And that kind of brings me to my first question. And, and this is a tough question, I know, but I'll ask it of you anyway, because I know you can handle the tough talk. And we could throw this question at any parenting principle, but when it comes to responsibility, or another phrase I might reach for is choice and accountability, are some kids more wired toward this characteristic or this strength, or is this something that we really can teach and should be trying to instill in them that they could pick up through our wonderful, masterful parenting? What's the balance there? There's always a great debate in psychology. Was I born with this? Was I parented into this? And to be honest, it's probably a little bit of both. I do think there are some people that are a little bit more wired to structure, that like routine, that like rules, that like, hey, tell me please how this is done, and I will just execute those behaviors. Uh, and there, and the exact opposite, right? There are some that that prefer to find their own way, blaze their own trail and you can't tell me what to do. Uh, But there is also uh, a wide body of literature that would suggest there are some parenting things that we can do regardless of personality type, regardless of disposition, that is going to help our child understand that certain behaviors have certain consequences attached to them. And that can be, uh, that's the parent responsibility that, that's, that's really important. So yes and no, right? Like uh, there are certain people that are born certain ways, sure. but parents can step up and, and really create systems that are going to help an individual regardless of what they're, they're biologically bringing to the table. They're going to, to be able to connect, you know, responsibility and accountability. 
We oftentimes refer to the home as like the ultimate training ground, right? Home is the foundation for all of these wonderful principles we hope to instill in our children. And as you look at responsibility, I mean, sure, they might learn it in the classroom when they're required to bring homework and get a certain grade. Teachers can help enforce this. But what's the burden on parents, Tom, when it comes to promoting responsibility in my child? Like, is this one of those things that really does start at home, should be taught at home, enforced at home, start to finish? Well, this is one of those things as a, as a father, as a parent, uh, even as as an extended family member, uh, you feel the weight of this sometimes, yeah. right? And and to be honest, uh, this is what makes the parental relationship, being a parent, having that responsibility, there's that word, as a parent, uh, that makes it different than friendship. You know, our friends aren't necessarily always saying, you need to remember that you're accountable for your decisions. Right. I never heard that from my friends. Uh, but you know, as a parent, as an adult that's responsible for for helping uh, create humans that are going to be functional in society, yeah. uh, it, that is a very unique role that's important. And and how to do that appropriately without kind of making it so that they're uber aware of of those responsibilities and and anxious about those responsibilities. So hitting the sweet spot of being able to one. Yeah, make that connection, but two, do so without the shame, without the punishment, without uh, putting a a, a developing child, even a developing emerging adult child into into that spot where they're just anxious about, you know, always thinking too much about that responsibility. So trying to reduce that shame and increase that acceptance and and parents have a great spot where they can really... uh, lay that foundation of love and eliminate that doubt about uh, worth or about uh, their capability to to be a responsible adult. I'm so glad you touched on that. I think that's the, the important maybe set the table moments to take the shame out of it. And I have to tell you, I... My first, I'm a new, I'm a newer mom, newer mom. Um, I have littles on the ground, but I have a five-year-old and I, I try really hard not to stereotype or label these kids too early, but I can already see this perfectionistic trait in her, you know, showing up now and then. And it's something I'm mindful of. And I remember coming home from, I think it was my sister's house. And I had watched her then six or seven-year-old unload the dishwasher, put away the dishes. And I drove home thinking, okay, Emmy could do that. I, I need to. I need to get on this chore chart train. I need to do all of this. And so we had this little chat on the drive home about, you know, did you notice how your cousin was doing X, Y, and Z? And I'd like to start giving you some responsibility. And I saw her little mind start to click. And when we got home, she immediately ran for the dishwasher to see if there was there were clean dishes. I, I, <laughs> I could awesome. tell. So when you talk about that balance, I can see where it'd be appropriate. I like the term sweet spot as a parent to hit the sweet spot with your child and, and promote responsibility in a way that works for them. Touch a little bit more, if you will, Tom, on the shame aspect, because people may be saying, I'm not quite sure how shame, I mean, we know that's not the right way to go. I'm not quite sure how shame sets the table or paves the runway for responsible kids. What's the correlation or the connection there? So I think a lot of times when we as parents are trying to teach uh, choices and accountability, when we see that link of consequence, a lot of times we're dealing with our own emotion. So we're, we're frustrated. We're a, a little bit upset. Like, ah, why can't my child not make that decision? We make <laughs> right? it about and us. So, and, and so we pay attention to that. And we want that to go away as quickly as possible in us. So we say things that are maybe a little sharper, a little quicker, uh, that 
that lead to our child maybe understanding that as, oh, I'm not, I'm not a good person, right? And, and when we talk about uh, reducing that shame, it's like not having them doubt their worth, but understand that, yes, I, I do have feelings of others that will happen if I make certain choices, right? Gotcha. Now, it's not necessarily teaching them it's their job to take care of the feelings of the other person, but it is our job to say, hey, yes, be aware uh, that, that there are others in the situation and that your, that your choices are going to have consequences that influence the situation, that influence other people, but not to have them doubt their worth or doubt um, uh, how they feel about themselves. So uh, it's not surprising, one, that your offspring would have that, <laughs> that responsibility, <laughs> knowing you again. Well... Hope I haven't ruined her already. You have not. No, I think it's a great thing. But to create that structure where she's like, hey, no, this is going to build my worth and, yeah. and, yeah. and underscore my value to, to have these responsibilities. And when I get those done, then there's it's setting her up for success, right? Well, and when you paint it like that, I love the way you explain that because it, it, there's a ripple effect there. It, beca- it becomes more than unloading the dishwasher, right? Or putting a sticker on the chore chart. There's a responsibility to be a good friend. There's a responsibility to be a good sibling. You talk about those consequences, right? Building worth, but also pointing out the ripple effect, so to speak, of your actions and your decisions. And that can start at a really young age. Do you find it harder to try to try to teach this or instill this in, say, a teenager? Are we too? Is there a point where it's too late? Like I missed the boat. My fourteen-year-old, my sixteen-year-old. I wish I would have done this better. Is there any way to come back from maybe a missing link of responsibility in an older child? Well, it's really difficult to once you've kind of let loose and 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 let go of boundary to reestablish boundary. Sure. It can be very, very difficult. Uh, think of it in an interpersonal relationship. If you, uh, maybe even in, in dating failures, uh, I gave too much. I didn't, I didn't establish my boundaries, what I wanted in the relationship, and it ended up not working, for example. I like how you laughed when you said dating failures. It was like there was a story <laughs> there that you probably don't want to share. <laughs> yeah, probably not. Uh, and probably the partner would be like, yeah, thanks for not sharing that. So. <laughs> but your point taken that you, you don't set the boundaries in an appropriate way and it can run away from you quickly. Correct. And, and, and the longer that goes, the harder it is. We see this with smart technology, right? And if we just hand, say, a preteen a phone and don't put any boundaries on it, right. if we come back a couple of years later and say, hey, it's probably not a good idea to X, Y, and Z, they're going to look at you like, why are you doing this now? Yeah, nice try, mom. And you're going to get a ton of kickback from that, right? But, uh, you know, as we start setting up these boundaries, uh, what, what I really like about the example of, of, of your daughter is there's, there's positive consequence to that, right? So it's not just about negative consequence and setting up punishments. It's about saying, hey, there's positive consequences to your choices as well. And if we can set that up early on, then we can see that there's way more freedom from making those choices that that increase confidence, that increase worth, that increase connection, and and those are reinforced, and that that changes behavior more than punishment does. So if we can do the positive consequence thing, then we're really setting ourselves up 
uh, for future uh, instances that when when it is a little bit more yes. like a smartphone, a dating relationship, when there's more a on job. the line, yeah, exactly, more on the line than forks and spoons in the right drawer, exactly, like yes. grades that that count on a transcript, yes, right? like, like those types of things that we're trying to, or a career choice. That <laughs> so. leads right into your first tool as we talk about these tangible, actionable things parents and even grandparents can do, I think, from the sidelines, so to speak, to help enforce this responsibility or this accountability. You talked about the clarity, right? Be clear up front in those boundaries. And and with that clarity comes consistency. How important is, I mean, I know the answer before I ask the question, but consistency (laughs) in parenting is everything, isn't it? It is. And it's, it's consistency, not just over time, right? But the one thing with consistency that's really, really important is to know the values that you're using to base the rules on. So it's not just the hard rules like follow X, Y, and Z, okay. but what's what's the value system that's creating that choice? And if I can be consistent to that value, for example, uh, we are going to be a little more other focused in our family. We're not going to be uh, we're going to want to understand others' emotions. And again, it's not our responsibility to take care of, but we want uh, to pay attention to how our behavior is impacting others. That's a value. So if we can go with that value, you know, the golden rule principle, yes, as it were, yes. uh, do unto others, right? Then we can really maintain that consistency over time. But it's not just consistency over time. It's also consistency with everyone in the family. And sometimes we have parents that say, kids, we want you to do this. And then the parents behave totally differently. Well, the kids are pretty smart and they're pretty observant and they're going to see those things. And if they say, well, do this, but well, daddy's doing this. Yes. Then, you know, it's not going to go over very well. And that that consistency isn't there. Can I take it to the ground level a little bit with yes. an example? Let's, Because uh, I appreciate the idea to attach it to a value, something bigger. And then as a parent, also practice that myself or demonstrate that myself. What about something like, I'm trying to think of a maybe a hedge point between parents and child, like curfew. I say my teen has to be home at 10.30 p.m. on Friday night. What's the value associated with that? Or how can I paint that bigger picture? Obviously, I can model good, healthy sleep habits myself, but how can I pin that to a value that might click in a different way in their minds? You know, I should probably bring my teenage daughter in on this, <laughs> uh, and we could just have a little back and forth on what the, what the, why Your kids never that. push you on bedtime, right? You're the oh, parenting no, 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 no. expert. Yeah, yeah. No, not at all. And you know, it's funny. I get up so early. My, my day starts so early that by 930, I'm like, why isn't everybody home yet? Lights so. out, people. <laughs> uh, but that's just being an old middle-aged dude, right? Um, <laughs> but it's, it's important one, um, the other need, right? But also the wisdom in that, uh, you know, as a parent, all the, all the bad things that tend to happen, happen a little bit later on in the night. So, uh, our ability to kind of see into the future and, and to link those two things together is, is a little bit better than, than maybe a teenager. Uh, if we go back to brain development, even, you know, like the last part of the brain to develop is right behind uh, the frontal lobe there and executive functioning. And, and that isn't fully developed in, in adolescence. And, and in, in men, it doesn't get fully developed until about the age of 25, which explains a lot of your college experience, probably. <laughs> so uh, uh, It's a little bit earlier in women. Uh, but 
with our fully developed executive functioning capability, yes. we're kind of saying, hey, look, let's look into the future here. Uh, after 11 o'clock, it's not great. Things, things start to happen that, that aren't great. Let's be home. Let's, let's just be where we're so at. So we're connecting and, the wisdom piece to the request to be home at a certain time. Exactly. Yeah. And so it, it can be very different. Uh, however, uh, and I see this a lot, um, sometimes we, as parents, how many of us got up or, or started a, a, a road trip too late and we're sitting there driving at two in the morning <laughs> and our kids are going, wait, dad, hey, dad. you just told me. Yeah, about <laughs> that wisdom, that about that wisdom, you middle-aged dude. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And I'm like not wanting to drink the fourth Dr. Pepper at two in the morning right, to stay awake. Right. Right? So, uh, you know, we that consistency is really important. Uh, same thing with, say, uh, uh, media consumption. Like, hey, kids, we don't want you watching this. But if mom and dad go in the bedroom and watch these things and they knock on the door and see it, it's kind of like, wait, why are you telling me these things? Right. Uh, if you're not going to follow through, that's really where the consistency kind of shows up. So we can see uh, that across person, it's, it's, that's the value that's kind of overarching the family and really going to take care of all of us. I love that. Well said. Your next tool, again, an effort to promote responsibility, accountability in our kids, is to let these kids, let these grandkids see. See your mistakes. And I wanna I wanna dive into this with you because I think there's this feeling as a parent that you need to come across as perfect, right? I, I'm the parent, I'm the authority figure, I should have all of these answers for my kids. You say counter to that idea, you should show your humanity, for lack of a better word, to your kids, to your grandkids, prove that you're not perfect all the time. Why is this so important? Let them see your mistakes. How does this connect or result in the idea of more responsible kids? Well, we take it back to that shame principle that we were talking about. If they never see us make mistakes and have to correct and have to self-evaluate, then that then it can look like, well, mom and dad never did this. So if I make a mistake, I'm terrible, right? So being able to show, you know, yes, I do make mistakes and I do have to compensate for, for things that I do wrong uh, is, is really, really helpful uh, to our child just to see just that modeling and being able to kind of help them uh, see your difficulty and how you don't like mistakes and how your choices have consequences uh, with others and uh, or just very tangible and real that can be that can be very important uh, and sometimes when I make a mistake then I'm able to kind of process out loud with them like here's where I went wrong right yeah and this is what I would do differently next time. Uh, and it can be something like I shuffled the driveway at the wrong time and now it's an icy mess, right? And it's like, okay, here's where I went wrong. And it was, I just wanted to get that that snow off and I really, really made a bad mistake. So real-time so, so mistakes, quit. what I did yesterday as as your dad, as your mom that didn't pan out well for me. Exactly. And 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 that's that's a little thing, but something maybe like a crucial, crucial conversation, uh, you know, talking about and, 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 you know, getting a little more animated or a little more upset. I'm an extroverted personality. So even if I'm feeling like slightly irritated, it can come off like, Rah, right. And it's OK. Wait, wait, wait. Sorry. That was way more intense. Yeah. That's on me. Yeah. Please don't internalize that. Right, right, right. <laughs> and, and being able to kind of own those things for ourselves and, and our mistakes that we make just from, from existing, right? We're, we're going to have those. And, and apologizing and, and having your kids kind of see like, oh, yeah, 
there's an imperfection there. That goes a long, long way. I know that sometimes uh, friends of mine talk a a lot about what it was like growing up and the generational differences and things. Very few of them heard their parents apologize. Very few of them. Mm. Like they never heard, I'm sorry. And, but and yet we expect I, it, right? We It's always been expected for kids to say it. So why do we have a hard time coughing that out as a parent? Exactly. And, and, and sometimes it's the hubris and we want to be right. And there's a lot of areas in life that we're we lack control of. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, can I control my home? Yeah. And, and it's, it's okay to, to let go of that and not need to, to have it be a perfect product all the time. And in fact, our homes become a lot safer when, when we show that love and compassion towards ourselves, towards others. And that love is really the antidote to that shame that we're talking about. So being able to own your humanness and show your self-compassion and model that is going to extend to our children who ultimately need to be able to provide themselves that compassion when they make mistakes in the future. I love that safety and love ultimately being the antidote for that shame. We talked about real-time mistakes. Um, the lighthearted ex- example being I should have you know, shoveled the walk. The more, the more thoughtful example being that crucial conversation that maybe I didn't handle well. What, what, what role does a parent's history, Tom, maybe their past, play into the idea of discussing mistakes and maybe even regret? Is it, is it appropriate when you're talking and you're discussing with a child some of their decisions to bring up maybe some of your past mistakes? I mean, we are still supposed to be that authority figure. We're not the friend. We know that. We're the parent. Can I dip back into my teenage years? And I mean, of course, I was perfect as a teenager. We've established that. But <laughs> I'm, sure I'm, I'm hypothetically, yes. no, 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 no. I joke. I joke. I joke. But is it appropriate to bring up those past mistakes and use those as exemplary conversation starters? I think it's fine. It's kind of, uh, I, I feel like I'm, I'm giving the same answer. I don't here. love a the word of, fine. What does fine mean? It's fine. Well, it can be a little bit of both, I guess is what I'm saying. I think it's it's important to own past mistakes. There's wisdom that you've gained because of your past mistakes where it kind of becomes maybe a little problematic or a little less helpful is if we go into really big detail about those mistakes. We don't have to share all of the nitty gritty about the mistake, but we do, but we can say, for example, those dating failures that I mentioned that I kind of giggled at. It's kind of nice to go back and be able to say, hey, I was in this relationship once and it was super not healthy. <laughs> and, 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 That's the and, clinical observation. Super yeah, not healthy. Super not healthy. It's this. <laughs> I went to tons of school for that, yeah. for that term. So uh, and and being able to kind of sit down and 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 help my kids kind of see, okay, I can see where your energy is getting pulled. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's that's maybe the more clinical <laughs> correct yeah. no, way no, to no. say that. But but uh, being able to connect that back to, hey, here's here's a mistake I made in a relationship. I can see wisdom right? in that. In some ways, we're all our own people, but there are extensions of you in your children, right? There may be tendencies or characteristics. I talk about that perfectionistic trait in my five-year-old that, yes, is sometimes like looking in a mirror for me. But maybe your mistakes, what you've learned and, and gleaned wisdom-wise along the way, can, can help or shape them in a positive way as long as it's balanced is what I'm hearing you say. Yes. And uh, in some stories, I think you can be a little more detailed, you know, going back to the curfew thing. Yeah. Uh, I always I always knew like I could be five minutes late and my parents wouldn't get upset. So I kind of counted on that five minute grace you period. You had a buffer. <laughs> and I did. And so it didn't, it wasn't exact, but I knew I had a little bit of a confidence interval there. See, I didn't uh, have five and- seconds. I would tip to <laughs> and be like, dad, with this like shake in my voice, dad. Well, well, it burned me once. I, I 
I was pressing it pretty, pretty tight. Yeah. Uh, and I, I happened to be on, my father was in the, in the air force. And so I was on a military inst- installation Okay. and speeding on a military base is way not good. <laughs> and I got pulled over and it took forever. It, did, and it took I longer was, than five minutes. It did take yeah. longer. Than yeah. And, and so just, just kind of relating to my kids, Hey, yeah, we're pretty chill about not exact, but if you're skirting it and something weird happens, it's not going to be good. But let me give you my wisdom for what that was like for me. Yes, yes, <laughs> and, yes. And so being able to kind of share that and and those feelings associated and the anxiety of just sitting there as the military policeman was trying to get everything taken care of. And I didn't get a ticket. It, there was just some clerical issues that were kind of going on. So <laughs> anyway, it was it was it was a thing. But, but being able to share that and connect that to my kids when it's like real time, they're like, oh, yep, I get that. Okay, dad, yep, I'm empathizing with you. Yes. That's a powerful tool to get them to help connect to your humanity right. and let them see that, hey, oh, yeah, dad really does understand what it was In like. In a way that makes sense to them. The red and blue flashing exactly. lights, they can, they can connect with that. I, I yes. mentioned earlier the responsibility of being a good friend. And I'd love to ask you about that friendship piece because I think especially parents who have teenagers feel like accountability, good decision-making, responsibility. We can't put that all on other people. Obviously, we are our own agents. But we know kids can be swayed and persuaded by the friend influence. So for the parent out there that says, gosh, and I think this is every parent, I would love to handpick what kinds of friends my kids are spending time with. Like that one, yes. Tommy, you know, no. We, I wish we could just go through and cherry pick the type of friends that make up their circle. We can't. So instead, how can we influence our children to make those good choices in their friendships, knowing that they could ultimately affect their own decision-making um, without overstepping, without being that parent that's crossing the line? I think this is really tricky as well as a parent, but one of the principles that's really important to underscore right here I think, is that natural consequences are much more powerful than imposed consequences. And by that, I mean, um, when we see our children kind of uh, make decisions and and whether those consequences with their peers are positive or negative, uh, helping point out what you are observing and what you're seeing, uh, connecting it back maybe to like we were talking about our own failures and our own observations that maybe we didn't make real time, okay. but we saw once we got out of the relationship, it was like, whoa, I didn't know that was that was doing that to me, whether that's a friendship or a dating relationship. Right. So being able to have uh, our, our children come home and talk about those relationships and what that's been like, um, and then point out what you're seeing and what it's what it's looking like. I know uh, lately with our teenagers, we've been having a lot of those conversations. Hey, we're noticing when you spend a lot of time with so and so, when you come back, your disposition is different. Like you're you're just different. And and whether that's a happy or whether that's a grumpy, sure. or a, a, I'm more cooperative, this builds me up, or a, I'm, I'm a distant, want to go to my room and pull away. Uh, but being able to kind of say, hey, there are consequences that are occurring, but helping them look at those natural consequences and what that means. Yeah, it's not, uh, I don't it, like how you act after you come home from Tiffany's house. It's letting them, that's really wise, letting them draw that 
that conclusion for themselves. And, and so when we're able to do that and not power overpower with suggestion, but right. just make it a dialogue. What do you notice? What is it like? How, how are you when you're out there with them? Mm. Uh, what are, are there anxieties with that? Are you really having a good time? Are you being genuine you? You know, and instead of like, no, I put a mask on with this group and right. I don't let them know uh, what I'm really thinking or feeling or believing. Figurative mask, uh, of course, because we're wearing masks yes, <laughs> at the time of this time. recording, at least. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I love I love the idea of natural consequences versus imposed consequences. And I think at first blush, it might feel like hands free parenting, like let the chips fall. But sometimes the natural consequences require the most restraint as a parent. Like, I'm not going to jump in and save that floundering swimmer, or I'm not going to jump in and solve that problem. That takes just as much parenting control as actually doing something or imposing a consequence, wouldn't you say? Oh, my goodness. Yes. Uh, I, I really connect with that. And and uh, when, when we think of our kids, I, I, my teenage kids are, are years or some, one's out of the house already, but they're very soon leaving the house. Yeah. When we don't jump in to save them from those natural consequences, they're a little bit better prepared to head out of the home mm. and and gain insight into their into those consequences. They're looking, they're using that tool to kind of say, oh, yeah my behavior caused that, right? And and if we're constantly jumping in as parents to try to take that away, we're not giving them, they're not flexing that that psychological muscle, so to speak. And so they have to work that out and it can be tough. And and even at, at, you know, in middle age, I'm still experiencing that. I still don't have complete 100% insight recently at work and a couple of coworkers say, hey, do you know how you're coming off to us? And it's like, ugh, oh, that's not great, you know? And But being open uh-huh. to like, oh, yep, you're right. You, you're right. And that's on me. I have to do better in, in these ways. Yeah. So we're never going to be perfect at that. But to to give them the ability to do that, yeah. I, I think is really, really important. And, and, and we don't always have perfect insight, but we can foster the development of that insight in our children. It will come as no surprise that your final tool for us, suggestion for us as we strive to raise more responsible kids, is this idea of follow-through, that we need to clearly follow through to the end. Again, that's one of those things that I feel like is a little pie in the sky. Like, I'd love you to help button that up for us, Tom. What What's your best advice out there for parents who want to be more consistent in how they practice promoting responsibility and promoting accountability inside the home? Well, I think this was the hardest part for me as a parent. We love our kids. We never want to uh, be the problem, so to speak. But when we set up contingencies, part of that consistency that we were talking about before is following through on that. Mm -hmm. And sometimes the big mistake that I see with parents that want to teach accountability is they're giving empty threats, right? It's it's they'll be somewhere and the kid is is not handling it very well. Maybe it's the wrong time of day yeah. or you know, we're on a road trip and we can't really do anything about it. But uh, you know, it's like, okay, we're gonna go to car immediately. And it's like, no, 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 we're not. <laughs> like the and the kid knows that. My husband <laughs> so. and I check each other on this all the time. It's almost become this probably sad one-up game where I'm like, oh, really? Is that what you're going to do? Really? You know, we're trying to like side mouth it so the kids can't hear us. Oh, really? Is that is that what you're going to do? And then I'll throw it right back at me. But I get it. The empty threats take us nowhere. And and what it does is it, it unlinks behavior from consequence mm. because that's, that's not going to happen. But likewise, in reward contingencies, like, hey, I really want to give you 
uh, the big toy or this $10 that you've earned for doing X, Y, and Z for the week. Uh But if they don't do it, you have to follow through and not reward them. Withhold. And that's so hard because you're cheering for your child in most cases. Yeah. But, but being able to say, here are the contingencies, but then follow through positively or negatively. And once they do the behavior, immediate reinforcement, not waiting and saying, okay, we'll get that in a day or two. It's like, nope, we're going right now. We're going we did it. And, and we're going to go reward that so that they can put make those links really strongly, not just with you, but that will extend to teacher, to boss, to, to whomever they're accountable to in the future. We had a picture of, our, do you know who Fancy Nancy is, Tom? Fancy oh, Nancy? Absolutely. Okay, okay. Yes. Good, because that prevents <laughs> me from having to sing the theme song, right, of the Disney show that we love at my house. But we had a, we had a picture of a Fancy Nancy doll taped to our fridge for the duration of a summer. I'm talking going into four months. That was the toy reward for a potty training experience that pretty much killed the summer of 2019 for my family. But I wanted I so relate. badly. Oh my gosh. I just wanted to get her the doll because she wanted the doll and she was trying, but it sat there taped to the fridge as this, you know, visual reminder of what we were working at every day, all day, you know, at the potty. But I, I, it took great restraint in me, and I, 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 I didn't do it perfectly. Maybe I caved a couple weeks early, but the idea being, and that's just the five-year-old version of, of following through like you talked about, and even when it's hard for you as a parent, because it is to withhold those, those rewards when you see a child really trying. It's very difficult, and, and again, it's, uh, there's our emotion showing up, right? Yep. Like we, we try to parent from the spot of taking care of our emotion, Typically, though, that's not in the best interest oh, of our big. child. Yeah, and I, I remember uh, when we were struggling through a potty training experience. Yeah, and, please and commiserate with my, me. <laughs> my late grandmother said, "You know, Tom, I've never seen a kid go to kindergarten that wasn't potty trained. It just, <laughs> it's just like it was like, oh yeah, this is my thing that yeah. I'm paying attention yeah. to, not their thing. Yeah. And so, even though I do want to reward and I do want it, it just remembering perspective and being able to kind of say, all right, who am I taking care of here? Sure. Is it is it my frustration and my desire to show love toward my child, or am I really helping them kind of connect the behavior and the consequences? Well, listen, so, we can't we can't yeah. end on potty talk. So let me just say, let me say this. <laughs> How do we know, Tom, if if we're doing it? Not perfectly, not A++ every day, but how do I know as a parent, what's my gut check, what's my heart check that, yes, I am raising a child who's accountable, and yes, this child is demonstrating responsibility? You know, I, I don't know if it's—sometimes it's in big ways. I see it in just little things, a text that will say— Hey dad, just letting you know I'm running five minutes late. Here are the reasons. I'll I'll be right there, right? Or um, my daughter got a paycheck recently, and you know I sat down. I'm like, oh wow, you know what are you going to do? It was a holiday, a little bit of a bonus, and and she said, you know, dad, college is coming. You know, I'm I'm putting it here, right? And so it's like, you know, I I see that 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 there's something future down the road. The small drips. Yeah, my choice right now. I can impact my future a little bit. And that's when you're starting to see that accountability show up, right? Or in a team, like you see them uh, uh, be a captain or a leader in a team and you're like, oh, wow. You know, they really are kind of getting some of that 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 accountability piece that we've been talking about. Yeah. And it's so wonderful. Or you, you'll hear it from a teacher 
or a principal. Like I can always count on them to do X, Y, and Z, and they're always on task or they're they're doing some things. Now we don't always get that compliment, sure. right? As sure. as a parent, but the little wins add up to be huge wins. And so if we can kind of take those small things and pile them together, that bundle of sticks becomes pretty strong. Uh, and so being being able to kind of connect those little wins is really, really important. Look for the little sticks that one day will become a bundle. You always put it so well. You always bring it right to the home front, right on the ground, which I so appreciate. Tom, thank you so much. We appreciate you. Wise words. Thanks, Brooke. Thanks for having me. You've been listening to Family Rules, the podcast on BYU Radio. Today's guest, Dr. Tom Golightly, giving us great advice on how to raise responsible kids. I love how he broke it down in a really relatable way, responsibility being one of those overarching topics that can feel so overwhelming sometimes in parenting. If you liked this conversation and found it helpful to you in your parenting efforts, we'd invite you to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. We hope to see you next time. Family Rules, the podcast is a production of BYU Broadcasting.